Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Have you been feeling anxiety and stress these days? You know, it may be related to coronavirus or with any type of change that maybe you just didn't ask for. We're going to talk today with a wonderful colleague of mine, Heather Peruki. She's from ChangeWorks. She is a licensed mental health counselor. And we're going to talk about some of the tips and tricks to survive changes that it might just get you off track, and what are some strategies for success, not just for handling this pandemic, but for checking in with coworkers, working on your own mental health, and ways that you can help yourself and others far into the future. That's a really long list, Heather. I thank you for joining us on the, on the Body Show today. <laughs> You're just going to solve everything. Me. Yes, yes. Well, tell me a little bit about what your experience has been so far. You know, you are in the field. You are seeing people who are experiencing extreme levels of stress from a variety of different areas, whether it's directly from coronavirus or from the consequences, you know, staying at home, working from home, educating their children at home, dealing with family members. What are some of the things that are common that you're seeing right now in your experience and in your workplace? Well, you know, right now I'm kind of limited to working at home, but, you know, my life is primarily driven by a screen. It's, you know, a computer where sometimes somebody else's face is staring back at me and sometimes it's typing and typing and more typing and emails and text messages and group chats and Skype and all of these other sorts of electronic communications, which are super wonderful. And they really have allowed us to maintain as much kind of workplace normalcy as we possibly can. But really what I'm seeing is a ton of just complete tossing in the wind self-care. Like nobody has time to manage any sort of wellness, any sort of dedication to just breathing for five minutes a day. A lot of overstressed parents who are not only trying to cope with working at home, teaching their children at home, but are, you know, living with the constancy of staying in the same several rooms of their house. I mean, basically their their home has turned into every single environment that they exist in. And then third, a lot of kind of hopelessness. People really feel like this is never going to end. There's, you know, no sort of way out. And they're just not really sure what to do or how to find the motivation to do that thing. So when people are experiencing these difficulties, I mean, I know that, you know, the idea of going to a lot of different meetings, you know, whether they be meetings on whatever video platform, Zoom or WebEx, or there's a variety of different teams, all these different types, it seems like that's a good way for people to try and have that connection with people as if they were in an office environment. But there are certain nuances to it. You know, there's there's the idea that people tend to interrupt one another more because they don't have that visual experience of knowing, hey, that person is trying to chat or, hey, it looks like they have something to say. And sometimes it may just be the lack of interactability that they don't have when they're discussing certain things. 
it tends to me, and then, then you have meeting after meeting after meeting. So, you know, if it's on video, if you're not on video, then suddenly you're missing and you're thinking, but I just so need to go to the bathroom or get myself yeah. some water. <laughs> and I mean, there's, there's that whole aspect of it. So when you look at how your daily schedule has changed, how, you know, your biggest trip during the day might be to the living room, woohoo, or maybe to the yeah. dining room. You know, when you think about your life changes, what are some of the things that you've done to try and normalize your workplace for you and add some of those self-care elements in? Because, you know, a lot of folks, they would like to go to the park, but parks are closed or they want to go walk on the beach and that's not something they're able to do. So what do you do? How do you fix you? Because what you do might help the rest of us. Well, the first thing that I noticed early, early on in March was that I couldn't focus for the duration of time that I used to be able to. I, you know, a year ago could crank out three to four hours of work without taking a break. I could sit at whatever space I designated, whether it was my home, a client's home, the hospital. I have a a membership at a co-working space because I'm self-employed and that gets me some social interaction. You know, I could crank for hours at home during covid I consider it a win if I can focus for an hour straight. So I'm a therapist by trade. About 25% of my time is spent in one-on-one sessions or, or couples sessions, and those are limited to 53 minutes. It turns out that's actually kind of perfect. I have my session, and then I get up and I walk around, or I take the dogs outside for a quick break, or I get a drink, or you know, I pull the load of laundry Um, So the first thing that I did was really extend myself some grace around how much I could fit in one day. And I recognize that not everyone is lucky enough to work for themselves and be able to tell themselves as their boss that they need a break. But this is a really good time for people to have honest conversations with their superiors and their teammates about what they can realistically expect from each other. Being able to reduce the amount of responsibilities on your plate or spread them out differently can be soul-changing when you're in an environment where the pressures are sort of piled on top of you. So the first thing I did was gave myself some grace with how much I could fit into my day. The second thing I did was made my 30 minutes of outside activity a non-negotiable. So every day I get up relatively the same time. And I have a cup of coffee, and then I do some sort of physical activity for 30 minutes, whether that's running or swimming or walking. Um, I could bike, but I'm actually deathly afraid of biking around the streets of Waikiki. So I try to stay away from bicycles because I feel like I'm more of a danger than anyone else on the road. But I do some sort of physical activity for 30 minutes. It does not need to be a crazy sweat fest. Just move your body and get outside and get some sunshine, wear a hat. If it's raining, just get outside. And then the third thing was I had really honest conversations with the people who employ me. They are lovely, wonderful, amazing humans, and they pay me to provide a service to them. But I had to have really important, specific conversations with them about, hey, listen, Here's the amount of work that we were doing a year ago. Here's the amount of work that we can expect to do now. How do we responsibly make the shift so that your needs are still met, but I'm not 
up until midnight, stressed out, worrying about whether or not I'm going to be able to fit it into my day to day. Well, that sounds like three really good steps. The first is, you know, be realistic about your own expectations. And, you know, I think for a lot of folks working from home, they may get the sense that people think they're not working. So I've noticed that for those people I know who are working from home, every time I talk to them, they're getting more done than ever. Now, I don't know what that says about going to the workplace, but they sort of feel like they're not being interrupted as much. And I wonder if maybe that idea of getting more done is leading them to this false idea that they can't take a break. You know, you mentioned you start your day with 30 minutes outside and getting some fresh air. And I wonder if some folks that are working from home just they don't feel like they can do it. It's almost like, how how could I be outside in the middle of the day? I'm going to get caught. Right. Someone's going to notice. And getting over that barrier, <laughs> like you know said. I took a break. Yeah. Somebody's going to know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. And the thing is, you know, it has taken me, this started in March, it's almost, so we're five months in. It's taken me almost five months to actually be okay with taking breaks during the day. And, you know, before COVID, I was out in the community all the time, constantly driving places. Nobody ever sort of questioned how long it would take me to get places or travel time and stuff. And so there's no reason now for me or anyone else to be saying like, oh, well, you were away from your computer for 20 minutes. What were you doing? Like, hey, I was getting a drink of water and going to the bathroom and prepping for my next meeting or sticking my face in the sunshine for five minutes to try and refresh my brain and, and get some fresh air. So, you know, I think you know, this is probably a longer discussion and a total tangent conversation opportunity, but we really shouldn't be having conversations in which people are saying, what are you doing outside for 20 minutes? That is indicative to me of a bigger problem. Well, you know what I think the problem is, is we ask it to ourselves. <laughs> you know, we've put ourselves <laughs> we in this, we can't take a break situation. And the only person who's feeling stressed and worried about it is actually ourselves. Speaking of a break, you're listening to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. When we come right back, we're going to talk some more with Heather Peruki about what are some of the other challenges that people face and how can breathing really make a difference? Don't we breathe anyway? Is there some kind of special breathing we need to learn? We'll be right back. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors, the Kahala Hotel and Resort, and PCAT, Pacific Center for Advanced Technology Training. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I am pleased to have Heather Peruki on the line. She is a licensed mental health counselor and owner of ChangeWorks. This is a group that is trying to really help change how we're doing things in society today and implement some system-wide changes that can help all of us. Now, right before the break, we were talking about who makes us feel guilty about taking a break. And Heather, I'm just going to be honest. I make myself feel guilty about plenty of things. Nobody else does it. I seem to do it to myself. So for those people who are getting that sense of they feel like people are wondering why they're not there to answer the phone immediately on the first ring, but nobody's really asking that, how do they how do they change themselves so they stop badgering their own selves about feeling guilty about it? How do I fix me, Heather? Oh. Listen. This is I'm a much longer discussion. Just, just kidding. I think, you know, change is a process. And it does start with a decision. And so, you know, 
and I want to be very, very clear and honest and transparent. This is a constant work in progress for me. I agree with you in terms of who is hardest on me. It's definitely myself. You know, my husband is sort of constantly reminding me that it's okay for me to sit down for five minutes or it's okay for me to go for a run in the middle of the day, things like that. But the, the habits for me is really what helps me stay on track. So if I get up and I follow a semi-routine in the morning, it really does help set up my day for as much success as possible. So the change process itself starts with a decision to do something differently. And I cannot emphasize enough that the change process is most successful when you make a very, very small, concentrated, intentional decision to do something different. So for me, one of the biggest things that I am challenged with is to sit and focus and meditate for five minutes a day. I do it every day, but I still have to sort of force myself to do it. And so we talked in our presentation that we did together, we talked about the power of the breath and how when you take two to five minutes once a day, a couple of times a day to just stop what you're doing, take a couple of super deep breaths, follow the breath in through your nose, push it all the way down to your diaphragm, you know, inflate your belly. It allows your brain to say, oh, I have permission to exist in this moment and to clear my head of all of the stuff and be present just for these two to five minutes. And when I say habit, I mean, you have to make a choice to do it every day. It's not going to be automatic. And when it does finally become automatic, maybe that's when the choice is I'm going to try 10 minutes or I'm going to try 15 minutes or I'm going to journal afterwards for five minutes. And so I think extending some grace to ourselves when we're making decisions to change is one of the more powerful elements of being kinder to ourselves. Well, and we talk about people who, you know, feel like, the stress of the world is on their shoulders. And, you know, I've spoken to patients who who really feel like that. And in some cases in their job, it kind of is, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're right out there dealing with some really serious situations going on that affect all of us. And so, you know, taking those deep breaths, sometimes just taking that two to five minute step away from what you're doing. It actually, although it's really hard to do, it pays off in multitudes. Because if you Mm, come back to what you were doing with a clearer head and a calmer perspective, it often will help the other people to react similarly. You know, I often find it interesting that we have in our brain something called mirror neurons. I found those fascinating. Mm. Mirror neurons are basically neurons in our brain that try and do what somebody else is doing because we physically see it. So if you're talking with somebody and they cross their arms, often within a few minutes, you'll cross your arms and you're like, why am I doing this? Because you're mirroring the other person. (laughs) And so if you come with a calm demeanor and a relaxed presence, Someone else may mirror that. They may get that from you. And that may help mm. to change their perspective or what they're coming to the situation with. You know, I I find it interesting that people, when we say set boundaries, the people who are very upset that you set the boundaries are the ones that are used to wanting to, or being able to violate them. And so when you say, oh, yeah. I need to do X, Y, or Z, that's a that's a no change. That has to be in there. People who get the most upset about that are... They're upset because they they wanted you to to cross that line for them. Right. 
Yeah. And, you know, I find that the, the power of coming to a conversation calmly is usually more inclined to be the dominant one in the converse, in the conversation. So, you know, one of the things that I do a lot in the community is talk about de-escalation. I've worked with, you know, everybody from the brand ambassadors in Waikiki to the staff at the hospitals and the nonprofits. And I love de-escalation training because the number one trick is to stay calm. The more anxious that you are, the more anxious people will feel around you. And so if you can start to implement this very, very powerful habit of two to five minutes a day and let that grow wherever it grows, maybe it stays there forever, or maybe it becomes 10, 15, half an hour, 45 minutes. But if you can come into any sort of situation calmly, it translates as confidence and it helps you stay in a place where communication is actually possible, as opposed to anxiety or frustration or anger that, you know, rarely does anything ever get done when we're angry. You know, it just tends to be sort of a kind of blow up conversation. So that does that calmness can can really alleviate anxiety-ridden situations. Now, in your experience with doing therapy with clients or with some of the other aspects and consulting that change work does, what do you think beyond like that calm demeanor, taking a breath, what are some simple steps that people could do in their own lives to recognize ways in which they could approach change differently, either for their own lives or for their workplace. Because, you know, everybody has moments of being anxious and frustrated and worried. And, you know, I think this particularly has brought it out in so many people at the same time, people who were worried about finances, paying their mortgage, paying their rent, having enough money for food. We hear about some of the food lines that are so long for giving away free food for families that need it. What are some things that people can do to help when when everyone else around you is coming with all this anxiety? And it's really true. It's not like they're worried about nothing. They're worried about some major serious issues. Oh, yeah. What can we do yeah. for one another, whether it be an employer, employee, or a friend or a family member, to help them with that? Because I often find as calm as we can be, sometimes we need to create space so that they can exhibit their anxiety and stress and feel like they're being heard without feeling like, you know, how how effective is it to tell somebody, you know, calm down? Never in the history of calming down has anybody done it because somebody <laughs> said, calm down now. I mean, it just that just doesn't happen. That yeah. sort of incites somebody to get a little more upset about things. So what are some things that you could do that all of us could do to help one another? Um, there's a whole category of memes just around the, the aspect of calming down. And the funny thing is, is when we say calm down, it's usually when people are already in such a heightened state of anger or anxiety that that's actually just going to make it so much it's worse. It's going to make it worse. Than right. just saying, all right, let's have it. Like, I- I'm here to hear you out. I think this is really, you know, from my clinical perspective and some of the work that I've done with folks who are on sort of the more severe and persistent side of the substance use and mental illness spectrum, if I stay calm and allow people to exist as they are, it tends to be a more productive conversation. And so if someone is fresh, let's say they're frustrated about the system, you know, I went to go apply for this and the line was out the door, or I went to go online to do this and I just don't know how to use the system and it, you know, I just gave up and 
when when people are frustrated, sometimes the opportunity to just say, wow, that sounds really frustrating and let them get that out will then allow for that space. It'll sort of create that holding space idea that we have where then we can say, all right, are, do you feel like you're ready to try a solution or do we just need to be mad for a little while? Because if you need to be mad, that's cool. Let's just be mad. And we can allow for that for a little while. And then maybe tomorrow we can try again. Or do you feel like you're ready to sort of log in and I'll sit with you while you do that? Or I'll whiteboard with you about how your team is going to make these shifts? Or I'll brainstorm with you about how you're going to merge two programs and still meet the needs of your people? Um, I think if we can be less anxiety-ridden and allow people to experience the emotion that they're experiencing, it can then lead to a really productive journey after all that stuff is kind of out. Well, and that's that's really good advice. And try not to one-up somebody, you know. You think you're stressed. Guess what's going on for me? Well, all right. We're going to take a quick break. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We're talking with Heather Peruki from ChangeWorks. She is a licensed mental health counselor. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about what are some of the ways that when somebody comes to you with all their stressful thoughts, we can help all of us to survive during this process, this very uncertain time of coronavirus that really has set a lot of different systems out of whack. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Ekahi Health, Ulupono Initiative, and The Hub Coworking Hawaii. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here with Heather Peruki from ChangeWorks. And right before the break, Heather, you're talking about if somebody has this sort of extreme anxiety-ridden response, giving them space to experience that. Let them let them rant about it if they need to. And one of the things that I always have to check myself is not not one upping them, not saying, well, this even happened. Worst <laughs> thing happened to me. So if somebody is in that system where they're just there's this constant stress, is there a way to help move them closer to the let's work on this constructively? Let's use your anxiety, stress, anger, whatever it may be, and start to create a solution. How do you move somebody in that direction? I mean, I think part of it is just asking the simple question. What's the most helpful for you right now? Do you want me to be here and listen? Or do you want me to help you find a solution? That will eliminate the sort of assumptive tendencies that we have, thinking that we know what the other person needs. Um, You know, I've been married for 11 years. And this is the number one communication skill that has worked in our marriage. My husband says to me, do you want me to listen to you or do you want me to solve it for you? And it probably has eradicated 90% of our fight because if I just need him to listen to me, I'll say, I just need you to hear me. And he'll be like, okay. And then he'll just make eye contact with me and we'll chat. So I think, you know, when we're in situations with people and we feel anxious because we feel like we have to come up with some sort of solution to whatever it is that they're frustrated about, it really does create this mental block to actually listening to them because we're trying to solve the problem as they're ranting. So one, we're not listening. And two, we have no idea if they even want us to solve the problem for them. Maybe they just want to be frustrated and just say like, 
that situation really stunk and I, you know, really was unhappy with the outcome. And then you just get to go, wow, that, that does sound terrible. I sort of feel like and you were plotting with my husband about this conversation. Because <laughs> how often do we make this assumption? I know what he wants. I need to fix this problem right now. And you just, you hit, you hit it right on the head. You're like, maybe you just want to rant. And if you can just say that, that saves 90% of your arguments. So, wow, that's like free marriage therapy on the body show. Thank you for that, Heather. I'm going to go home and try it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I definitely don't fancy myself perfect. And our, you know, marriage and my co-working relationships have not been perfect. I told some stories that, you know, where I completely am the one that messed up and I'm going to take responsibility for it. But I do think really that assumption that we sit in is where a lot of us get tangled, like thinking that we know what the other person needs when it's actually quite simple to just say, what do you need right now? I'll try to help provide that for you. And I mean, coming from, I'm a, I'm a therapist. Like my job is to help people feel enlightened to fix things that are sideways in their, in their lives. And so it took me a long time in my own practice just to stop saying, have you tried this? Have you tried this? Have you tried this? And just to be present with people and say, wow, that really sounds like a frustrating fight that you had with your sibling. Like, tell me more about that. And then we get to have a conversation about, you know, what's actually happening. And then we can move into, do you want to do something about that? Or do you want to just sort of let it rest? So, I mean, do you often feel like people often know their own solution? They know how to fix the problem. If you just let them talk it through, they will come up with their own answer of what they think their next step is. Yes. Maybe I'm prompted by I you. I did but... it to myself yesterday. <laughs> oh my so you were like ranting and then all of a sudden you had your own solution. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think our brains sort of work like that. We want so much to, if somebody comes with a problem, we want to fix it. On the other hand, you know, the other, the other way that, that I've sort of helped people take a look at this is, when I've talked to folks who are in an extreme period of stress, whether it's causing them to gain what I call the pandemic pounds and they're home with the refrigerator and it's causing all these problems or whatever it may be, you know, I often sort of step back and I say to them, if your friend was in this situation, what would you tell your friend to do? Because if you can depersonalize it just a tiny bit, that can often help you to brainstorm what you would tell your best friend if they were in this position. And studies have shown that what you tell someone else to do is very often what you need to do yourself. How ironic is that? <laughs> it's so true, though. It really is. We often know what's best for us. I know what's best for me is to get up and do my routine in the morning. So when I don't do it because of whatever reason... I often feel pretty off for the rest of the day. I'm like, why do I feel so grumpy? Or why am I craving food that doesn't feel my body very well? And it's generally speaking because I didn't start my day out in a way that creates really, really kind of open space for me to be as healthy as possible. So given all the information that we've just talked about, these great brainstorming tips for people to help with their own stress management, but also when other people are bringing them stress to, the, to their lives or sharing their own stress. Are there any quick tips that you can think of that, you know, if, let's just say you wake up tomorrow, you do your routine, and things start to go wrong. What are some real quick and easy things in the last minute or so that somebody could, could do as soon as that happens? I mean, I guess step one would be breathe. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, the number one thing is to stop what you're doing. Because if you continue on in a frenzied state, you're going to continue on in a frenzied state. So nothing's going to improve if you continue trying to solve it in the same anxiety-ridden state that you're in. And so if you're feeling super overwhelmed, you can try just taking a deep breath for five breaths and then opening your eyes and saying, okay, the first thing I'm going to tackle is this, and then I'm going to do this. So stop what you're doing. That's the number one thing. Take a couple of really deep breaths and think to yourself, what can I control? What can I do next? And then do it again. Once you've tackled that one task, stop, breathe. And by the time you get to the second or third task, your body will likely have regulated itself. And you'll be able to look kind of at the horizon or the rest of your day or the rest of your week with a clearer picture. Heather, we are going to have to do this again because you gave me some tips and tricks I'm going to start using tonight immediately. So I so appreciate you being on. Heather Peruki. she is from ChangeWorks. She is a licensed mental health counselor. And you can find out more information on our Body Show page on the HPR app. If you'd like to hear the show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you next week where we learn some more about how to stay sane during COVID.